Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. And this is Mary Kay Cabot. And Scott Tasco. And this is the Orange and Brown Talk podcast presented by Sibling Revelry Brewing. Uh, thanks to them for sponsoring us. Of course, check out their website. Head over to their tap room in Westlake. It's a great space. Uh, they've got some good beers for you to, uh, to sample. We're ending the winter season soon, I'm sure. Uh, so we'll have some nice spring beers coming out, I hope. Uh, we got to think warm thoughts as it kind of thaws out here, at least for a little while in January. Um, let's get to it. We're going to talk some Browns football here, our, uh, our Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and let's talk about the Super Bowl, because I think for the first time in a long time, you can kind of use that word with the Browns, and people aren't going to laugh at you. They might laugh a little still, but they're not going to laugh at you too much, but we watched the Patriots and the Rams play one of the most boring Super Bowls I've watched, at least in recent memory. Uh, I kind of zoned out a little bit here and there. The question to start off with is how close is this football team to the Super Bowl? Because there's odds getting floated out there today, 20 to 1, 25 to 1, the highest they've really ever been for this team in, in February after the Super Bowl. And America, how close is this team? Can, can we realistically talk about the Super Bowl in the very near future? Well, you know, I think the Browns can at least be in the discussion. And I have just returned from both the Senior Bowl in Alabama and the Super Bowl in Atlanta. And I will say that in talking to a lot of league experts and analysts, uh, people are taking the Browns seriously. They're excited about what they're doing. And they think that Baker Mayfield, for the most part, is the real deal. Now, I did talk to a number of people that uh, pumped the brakes just a little bit. uh, And I will be even writing some more of those things over the next week or so. Uh, People that said, you know, hey, the Browns learned how to crawl. Let's not get get ahead of ourselves. This offseason is a very vital offseason for Baker Mayfield, how he handles it, and things like that. But I think for the most part, the national perception is starting to be uh, that the Browns are going to make some noise in 2019 in the NFL. I still think that they have, they are about five to six kind of impact players away from actually contending for the Super Bowl. And those players include, you know, another pass rusher, another receiver, Uh, probably another defensive back, you know, another really enforcing kind of defensive back in there. Uh, And we'll talk more about priorities as we go along. So I do think that they're about five to six players away. Having said that, they have all the means and the resources to add those five or six players this Mm offseason. And with the way that John Dorsey stocked the team last year, if he has another offseason like that or even close to that, Anything can happen. Who knows? They could be contending for the Super Bowl or at least giving the best teams in the NFL a really strong push come next year. It feels like the the Browns have the opportunity this coming season to be what the Rams were last year, that the team that kind of exceeds expectations a little bit. I know you're going into 2019 and there are heightened expectations because of those seven wins, but and maybe they kind of got a little bit of that towards the end of last season, but Next, this next season, I think, will kind of determine what what road they take because they got a quarterback on a rookie contract. They have a lot of other impact players who are still on rookie contracts. They have some people who they signed last year who who they can who are either coming free agents or won't cost them a lot to get rid of. So they're kind of in that in between area where, depending on how they add to the team this summer, will go a long way towards figuring out what you know what steps Dorsey takes next. So they, I don't see them making the Super Bowl next season. I think we all kind of agree on that. Um, but uh, the following season, maybe they're, they're a team that gets you know a step away, or, or maybe that's when they, they go out and get those free agents that you 
you know, like you talked about Beckham before mm-hmm. and, and, and the big off-season free agent to kind of put them over the hump. So this, they're kind of like right on the, the cusp of mm-hmm. figuring out if they're that team or not and, and what Dorsey does this off-season will decide that. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's important to remember, I think we're reacting a lot and, and fans are reacting a lot to that 5-3 and three finish and, and rightfully so. It's the best football we've seen this team play, you know, probably since early in 2014. Um, but at the same time, you've got to put some context to that. Uh, the, the two really good teams and the two really good defenses they played, Houston and Baltimore, they lost those games. Mm-hmm. You know, Baker Mayfield threw three interceptions in each of those games. So there's still work to be done there. You know, you ran into Cam Newton with a bad shoulder. Uh, how, how does that change things? You know, a lot of it is timing. Maybe they'll get some good timing next year. Maybe they'll get some bad timing next year. Um, I, I think they have a chance to be really good next year. But I also think there's a chance that they might not be quite as complete a team as they need to be. So, you know, I, I think they've got a chance to do something. Maybe win the AFC North if things break their way. And then if you, if you start getting playoff home games because of that, then anything can happen. But, you know, I kind of think next year can be sort of that in-between year. You know, and it might not be bad for this team to go eight and eight, nine and seven, and and take a, a little baby step next year and kind of learn what it takes to win at this level. Um, although, look, I'd love to cover a twelve and four football team. You know, who knows? And and I think that's that's the thing about next year. There's a million possibilities. It could be incredible. They could go twelve and four and go to the AFC Championship game, or they could go eight and eight. And, and I think that's kind of what makes next season really, really interesting. And, and you have a quarterback too. Well, I think that um, one of the important things that needs to happen in the offseason, I think that, that Baker Mayfield, and I'm sure he will, needs to take an unflinching look at the season that he had and work his tail off to get a lot better uh, in this in this offseason because teams are going to be game planning for him. Teams are going to have some film on him. And like we just saw, the defensive geniuses in the NFL, like the Bill Belichick's are going to be working really hard to try to figure out how to shut down the spread type systems and these young hotshot quarterbacks such as Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff, and the like. So, you know, it's he's really going to have to take it up a notch, and I think he will uh, just because of his own work ethic. And I think that Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator, is going to bring a lot to the table in terms of some of the college concepts that he's going to bring in. He already knows the, the air raid inside and out, and I think that will help Baker Mayfield. But And I asked Brian Billick about this. Does it matter? Does, you know, what, does anybody uh, get worried or concerned about the fact that 10 of Baker Mayfield's 19 touchdown passes in those last – eight games of the season, and I'm trying to look it up here to make sure I have this right. I know that seven of them came against the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. So seven of the 19 came against uh, the Bengals, and um, and then, um, then three more came against the Atlanta Falcons, um, and they were really struggling on defense. I remember talking to somebody after that game affiliated with the team, and they, they were like, well, we, had, we were missing five of our Pro Bowl defensive players. Uh, so they were really, really ranked very poorly on defense, like 28th, I think. So, you know, again, we've talked about this before. Uh, I think they have to be careful about looking at those last eight games and thinking they have arrived anywhere mm-hmm. or they've really done anything yet. Because when you add that up, you've got 10 of the 19 touchdown passes against some very challenged teams. So if they're going to make that next step next year, 
they've really got to pick it up a notch. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, the, the key is going to be, like, say they go 8-8. Eight eight. The key is going to be having some of those wins actually be against playoff teams and, and good teams that you come away thinking you really beat somebody good there instead of, you know, that end of the season stretch where they were kind of beating the little sisters of the poor and the, you know, teams with the wheels falling off. So, uh Getting quality wins is going to be important, and getting quality wins in the division, like those are the two things. Win division games and, and beat some quality opponents so you can say that you're having some real progress. Yeah, and then they've got to – I mean, the schedule next year is – I hate to play the schedule game in February, but, you know, you've got Seattle. You've got the Rams. You've got some teams that are going to test you. You know, who mm-hmm. knows what the Broncos are going to be. You know, you've also got some teams that you're going to be able to beat. And the real reason for optimism, I think, is when you look at the AFC North, it probably looks as vulnerable as it's ever looked. I'm not going to count out the Steelers ever until they give me reason to count them out. And I know this year they didn't make the playoffs, but I still believe if you've got Big Ben healthy, if you've got a guy like Juju, even if you move on from Antonio Brown, I think we saw what James Conner can do. That team just has a way of finding talent, especially at skill positions on offense. That's one of the best offensive lines in football. I'm not going to count that team out until the Browns actually beat them, mm-hmm. which they might be able to do. Bengals, probably not going to be very good next year. The Ravens, I'm not really sold on Lamar Jackson as a franchise quarterback, so there's some vulnerabilities there in the AFC North, and, and that's really where the Browns might be able to, to make that jump. You know, And then they beat some of these other teams out of their division. They beat the teams they should out of their division, and that's when you do start talking about 10 wins, 11 wins, and... and you start piling up and maybe getting that home playoff game. Hey, I just thought of something. The Steelers and the Giants should just swap Antonio Brown and <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr., right? There you go. There you go. I mean, just even up, swap, everybody's happy. The Steelers go on uh, and continue to be the, the strong and, and dominant team. That's not good uh, news for been. the Browns. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, the division, like you said, the division – has some issues, and I'm not that sold on Lamar Jackson as as a passer either. And you know, it's almost like if I were were them, I'd probably platoon and bring a quarterback in uh, that can that can pass the ball on certain downs and let him do his thing. And the, old, would, the old college system. Yeah, I'd run a college system. I'd run a two quarterback system and just get really creative and try to do something like that. But um, and the Bengals, I still I don't see that they're going to be all that great. And I mean, they need a talent infusion if they're going to be any good. So the division isn't that great, but they are playing, like you said, the Patriots. Uh, yeah, I didn't even mention them. Yeah, the yeah. Patriots, right? And, you know, we're all Both in... Super Bowl teams, basically. Yeah. yeah. So there there will be some challenges ahead. Yeah, and, you know, that that's kind of the thing. The, the good thing about the Browns is they have stability on their roster, and, and that's going to be our next topic here. They have stability on their roster. They don't have a bunch of free agents that they're going to lose, um, you know. And the other thing, there's so many unpredictables in the NFL, injuries. And like like I mentioned, you play Carolina in September, you probably lose that game. You play them in December, you beat them. So, you know, that that's kind of how this league works, and that, that's why it's such a hard league to predict, which we're going to get to. Later in the podcast, we're going to look back on some of our predictions as well. Uh, mine were not great. But let's talk about uh, some priorities for the Cleveland Browns. I, I wrote about it today. Um, I, I listed five priorities for the Browns. Um, one of them was, uh, let's see if I can remember them here. Extend Joe Schobert. Extend Demarius Randall. Uh, increase the pass rush or make the pass rush better. Add a wide receiver. 
And I knew I was going to forget one thing. Left tackle. Left tackle. See, why am I forgetting left tackle? <laughs> so, uh, you know, figure out the future at left tackle. So the Browns have a ton of resources. They have a lot of draft picks. They've got a ton of cap space. Uh, they're going to have more money to spend, I believe, than any team with the carryover. It's going to be close to to the top uh, with any team. So this team's going to be able to fix a lot of their issues, and there aren't that many glaring holes. There's areas where they can get better, but there aren't glaring holes right now. So what are you doing right now? What, what, like, What's your priority for this team? Uh, we shot a video on this. It's going to be mm-hmm. coming out later this week. What's your priority for this team, Mary Kay? Well, one of them, and it's not... I don't think it's number one, but for purposes of our video and our discussions, uh, you know, we are dividing some of these up. So I think there's probably like three that yeah. are all like right at the top. Well, go, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. What, so what, are, what are your three? One. Well, I would go. I would probably go um, pass rush. Uh, add to the pass rush. I'm I'm very big on adding a a blue chip big time receiver. I I really think uh, that that is going to be the next thing that Baker Mayfield needs to have. You need to take some pressure off Jarvis Landry. You need to take some attention away from him. Uh, So I, I would like to see them have an Odell Beckham Jr. type of guy on the roster, whether it could be him or some other really, really good, you know, type X. Now I think Antonio Callaway is going to take it up a notch next year as well. Uh, so that I, I think that'll really help them. But I would do that, and I would add uh, a pass rusher to go along with Miles Garrett. And again, hey, Baker Mayfield just had dinner recently with Odell Beckham <laughs> Jr. and Von Miller, so hey, why not just make it those two guys? Um, so you want, you want a receiver that's going to make Jarvis Landry the number two guy? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, not necessarily. I mean, it could open up uh, the – it could pave the way for him to have another 112 receptions. Yeah. So I don't know if it necessarily makes him the number two, uh, but it kind of helps bring out the best in him and takes a little bit of pressure off of him. And I do think it's important uh, to, to extend those guys as well. Yeah, I, I think going, going to the receiver thing, um, you know, you can make the argument that Baker Mayfield showed you he can make receivers better. And, okay, that's fair. But, you know, I, I watched the Patriots go out and trade a fifth-round pick for Josh Gordon in the middle of a season, you know, two weeks into a season. And they have the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, the, the Rams traded a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks. The Chiefs paid a bunch of money to Sammy Watkins. I, I don't know if that money was worth spending, but they did it. They went out and got a weapon. And, Amari and really Cooper. What you do, Amari Cooper, a first-round pick. A guy that I said I wouldn't give up a first-round pick for. And look what he did for Dak Prescott in Dallas. So, you know, you hope Baker is going to be better than Dak and be able to make receivers better. But it's not a bad thing to add playmakers. It's not a bad thing to have guys that make you better instead of counting on like Damian Ratley making a leap. If he makes a leap, great. That's bonus. But as we saw last year, John Dorsey's not going to sit around and wait for guys. He's going to go out and sign TJ Carey. And then if one of these young corners steps up and takes his job, so be it. But he's not going to just sit here and wait for guys to develop. Yeah, speaking of that, I, I can't see them going into the season with Greg Robinson and Desmond Harrison as their, their two choices for left tackle. I think I saw uh, somebody either tweeted out or it was a graphic that Tom Brady's played with like a dozen different left tackles in his career. <laughs> so uh, maybe it's overrated, but I, they have to have a better plan mm-hmm. than they had going into into the into training camp last season where they were just, it seemed every day it was a new a new idea. And, you know, they had Joel Batonio over mm-hmm. there. They had people rotating in. And I think they tried Corbett over there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you sign Greg Robinson, you know, if, if you figure you can get him for what you want to pay. And then, I don't know if it means drafting somebody or, or, or looking free agent wise, but mm-hmm. it seems to me they gotta have some better competition wise to protect 
their biggest asset at yeah. quarterback. Now, the only reason why I'm starting to believe that they might think Greg Robinson can possibly do the job, and I know that they've already started extension talks, and mm-hmm. they really have some faith in him, but I agree with you. They need uh, more competition there. They need somebody to push him and drive him and maybe be kind of on deck. Um, but it seems like they believe he can get the job done, and I think that's in part uh, because Baker Mayfield does a really nice job of he's getting the, rid of the ball quickly, first of all, which is good, but he's also so shifty and elusive that he's getting out of trouble, and he's not just stationary. Even though he's not necessarily uh, you know, a running quarterback, uh, he's mobile enough to get out of a jam. And, and I think that they think, at least right now, that Greg Robinson is good enough to do the job for a quarterback who can get himself out of trouble. And, and I think Browns fans got so conditioned to watching quarterbacks that didn't get the ball out on time. And, you know, they see these big sack numbers mm-hmm. and they put it all on the offensive line. When the reality is, if you've got a guy like Deshaun Kaiser just sitting back there holding the football he's going to take sacks, and it's not the offensive line's fault. Or a guy like Robert Griffin III, who just couldn't sense a pass rush. Like, right. Baker Mayfield can sense a pass oh, rush, yeah. can step up in the pocket. Yep. You know, There's a reason well, last night when Tom Brady got sacked, it was the first time he got sacked all postseason. Tom Brady's not outrunning anybody. No. But he knows how to move in the pocket. Peyton Manning always knew how to move in the pocket. And like you said, Mary Kay, Baker's got some of that athleticism and mobility more than those guys had. But right. it's just that sense and that ability and that timing. And it just makes, like I said with receivers, it makes everybody better, and that includes the offensive line. Yep. There's also a case to be made for continuity and bringing back guys who play together and are, are familiar. And the middle of that offensive line, obviously, has been together for a while now, and they're, mm-hmm. they're a good core group. Um, so, you know, they know Greg Robinson, they know what he can do, and they know what he can't do. Yeah. Another interesting thing, as as long as we're talking about the offensive line right now, is where are you going to put Austin Corbett, <laughs> right? Because I talked to John Dorsey about that. Uh, I asked him about Austin Corbett and Chad Thomas, and he was like, hey, these guys have a future. You know, the future looks bright for both of them. So where would you put Austin Corbett, you guys? So I, I think with Corbett... I think it's going to be another year before we see him on the field, barring injury. Um, you know, he'll be that extra lineman sometimes. We'll hear 63 is eligible, but I think it's going to be at least another year because I'm, I'm looking at the interior of that line was really good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, J.C. Treader's a free agent after 2019. Uh, right. Kevin Zeitler, I don't think they would cut Kevin Zeitler because I think Not he's really year. good. Not this year, but I'm saying after 2019. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. He becomes a little more affordable to move on from. There's not as much dead money. Right. I don't know that they would make that move because he is really good. He's one of the best guards in the game. Yeah. Um, but if they wanted to do that and they needed to save some money there, they could do that. But I think the most logical route right now for Austin Corbett is wait a year. Mm-hmm. And if they feel comfortable putting him at center, maybe they would let J.C. Treader go in free agency. 33rd pick in the draft, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's why we're talking about this because Absolutely. he's going to feel 33rd pick in the draft. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't see. Do you want a pick that high to be the sixth guy who nope. just bounces around the line? You don't. So I don't know. I, do you get rid of him? Do you, do you use him as an asset to, to get a pick? Or, you know, that maybe, I mean, you could get. There's a lot of people you could get to be the number six guy on your offensive line. Right. And maybe if he, if other people believe he has the kind of future that John Dorsey does, maybe that's something he can use to, you know, to his advantage. Well, here's my prediction. And I have no idea 
if this is in the cards or they have thought about it or they will think about it. But just the way that John Dorsey talked about Austin Corbett and the fact that we know that he was a number 33 overall pick and you get really committed to your draft picks, your high draft picks like that, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to trade Kevin Zeitler and put Austin Corbett in there. And the reason why I say that is because if you think that he is your guard of the future, you know, then you're kind of unloading a large salary. Now, will anybody pay uh, and trade for, for Kevin Zeitler knowing that, uh, that he's going to make, I think his base salary is $10.5 million next year, but then I think you can get out of it the year after that. So you'd have one big year with Kevin Zeitler, and you can kind of do, uh, you know, you can sign him to an extension. And, um, you know, so if somebody feels that they are a gar- a good, a really good guard away mm-hmm. from from really taking their, their offense to the next level, uh, I, I could see that happening. That's a Bill Belichick move right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, again, I don't know if, if that's what they've thought of, but I've been trying to wrap my brains and think, okay, well, where are you going to put Austin Corbett this year? I don't think they want him sitting on the bench for another year. Mm. I think they want to play him this year, and I don't think he's ready to step in and play center. I, I, I don't either, and, and I don't think. Personally, I wouldn't mess with the interior of that line right now. I, I think that's one of your strengths. I think you've got plenty of money. Um, if you're curious, this is overthecap.com. Um, a trade of Kevin Zeitler this year would carry a dead cap of about $7.2 million. They'd save $5.2 million, the Browns would. Um, but that would, you know, it would still cost them to trade him. And then after this year, it drops pretty significantly to uh, about $4.8 million and $2.4 million in a cut or a trade um, if they wanted to get out of that deal. So and then pretty big cap savings as that moves along. So even a trade would cost you that? Yeah, a trade would run them... Trade, trade would run them $7.2 million. What about post-June? Uh, so they're post-June 1st, a lot cheaper, $2.4 million. All right. So they could save $10 million in cap space. So post-June 1 trade? Maybe. Post-June 1 again, trade of me, Kevin Zeitler, you're only paying $2.4 million in dead cap. To me, if I'm the Browns and I have a ton of money, and you're telling me, hey, you can start Kevin Zeitler at right guard or Austin Corbett at right guard. I, I'm not the one who drafted Austin Corbett. But they love Austin I'm Corbett. I'm still going with Kevin Zeitler. I know. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> Kevin Zeitler had a really good year, and he's a really, really good player. But if you're saving $10 million on your cap, and you're getting a draft pick in exchange for a guy who technically is probably going to be maybe gone the next year, and you're getting something in return for him, and you get that kind of cap savings, and you get your number 33 overall pick on the field, and you can find somebody to pick up that salary, then, I don't know, it starts to make some sense. All right. Mary Kay throwing out theories here. Well, I don't <laughs> know. Predictions. You know, I just, the only reason why I'm even thinking that is because I just feel like they want to get Austin Corbett on the field this year. It, it's, it's hard to, to imagine that they'd want to keep the number 33 pick. The one yeah. thing, though, that we have learned about John Dorsey, and I, you know, he showed this in KC too, he's not afraid to cut a guy he drafted. Yeah. He's not going to keep a guy just to keep a guy. Um, and obviously, Simeon, Simeon Thomas is an example. He's not, he wasn't drafted as highly. That's a corner he drafted. Um, and I know they like the size and, and things like that, but they cut him because he wasn't good enough. So he's not going to keep his picks just to keep them. Right. But um, 
Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they approach Austin Corbett. And Chad Thomas has to get on the field. He was inactive for something like eight games at the end of the year, eight or nine games. You can't have that, not, especially when you're not getting anything else from any other pass rushers. Yeah, he only played outside of Chris Smith. He only played in four games. Chad Thomas did, and he played very sparingly. He's a third round pick. Mm-hmm. This is again not a sixth round pick. I mean, this is a guy who could not get on the field in his first year. Now, I did ask Clyde Simmons about that at the Senior Bowl, and he said it was basically a redshirt year for him. He was injured in training camp, didn't get the reps that he needed to get, and that basically just ruined his year. Yeah, he had surgery right before camp. I think he had hernia surgery right before camp. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it was, they, they're looking at it as a redshirt year, and once again, John Dorsey said the same thing about him. He said, you know, you guys don't might not see it this way, but he's going to be good, and he's got a bright future. So I think he's another guy that they're going to try to get on the field this year. Yeah, but they got to get Miles Garrett help. Yes. I mean, Chris Smith was an, a great signing. He gave them a great pass rush off the bench. Um, but they've got to find help. You know, Manuel Agba's got to take a big step next year. He's going into the final year of his, of his rookie deal. Would you guys trade for Von Miller? Either of you try to trade for Von Miller? After what we saw Khalil Mack do for the Bears? Yeah. You know, like I said, I was hesitant to trade a first for Amari Cooper. And look what he did when he got to Dallas. Yeah. You know, now I would have given up a first for, I would have given up what Chicago gave up to get Khalil Mack. But, yeah, I mean, when you see what that pass rush can do, and Von Miller's not ancient. It's not like he's 35 years old. You know, he's, he's got be, time he'll left. He'll be 30. Yeah. He'll so, be so, I mean, he's still in his prime. Well, Jamie, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Jamie Collins, I think we can all agree, is not going to be back on this roster at $10.5 million in 2019. Yeah. So something's got to give there. Um, So, you know, I mean, if you you did try to trade for Von Miller, and again, I ran into Von Miller at the Super Bowl, (laughs) and I asked him about this, and he was like, hey, it's a crazy league. Anything can happen. He didn't say... I mean, he, he, he did say, I want to be in Denver. I like where mm-hmm. I'm at. But he didn't say, oh, no, nothing like that can ever happen. Um, so I don't think it'd be the craziest thing in the world, considering that they did inquire about trading for Khalil Mack. You yeah. never know. Okay, so let's, uh, let's do some, I don't know if I'd call this fun. <laughs> uh, let's have some fun, though. And let's revisit some uh, season predictions that we made at the beginning of the year. Um, one thing I learned this year is that I am not good at picking football games. Um, we, we picked every Browns game straight up and I think I went seven and nine or something like that. So not even against the spread. I could, I couldn't even go like 500. Um, you both did really good the year before though. I mean, you pretty much picked them <laughs> yeah, that was, well, that was jumping easy. out there thinking they're going to, you know, they're going to get it this week, you know, but no, it's that one, that one was simple, but I'm going to give Scott and Mary Kay some credit here because Mary Kay. You predicted the Browns would go seven and nine. Yep. Of course, they went seven, eight, and one. Scott, you predicted that they would go eight and eight, and of I course, did. they went seven, eight, and one. I did. I got the losses right, and I think that's Mary important. Kay got the win, and right? I got the victories. I right. also think it's important that the what was it the year before? Maybe it was the year before that I predicted they would tie a game against the Steelers. So oh, I was just bet. off by a one year, year or off. something. Okay, yeah, so cool. I think, obviously, I know what I'm doing. There you go. Yeah, so uh, I said six and ten. So I was off. I guess I was off by a game. I'm looking at my That's season right here too, picking games. Um, this is the wrong one. All right. Well, never mind. I went six and I, I said six and ten. Yeah. So I was wrong okay. on that. Um, Not far off. I also got my Super Bowl prediction severely wrong. So did um, I. I got caught up in a, le- a little bit of Eagles. Uh, 
Euphoria. Carson Wentz coming back. That would be their motivation. They were still a really talented team with a great head coach. So they're going to do something teams don't normally do in the NFL, and that's repeat. And that didn't happen. I said that they would beat the Steelers, who didn't even make the playoffs. <laughs> so I did not do very well in my Super Bowl prediction. Well, you know, I think I picked the Steelers. I can't even remember, but I think I picked the Steelers to actually win. Oh, I think we have it right here. Let's Super see. If, let's see. Right I, you know, I got to find it <laughs> there here. There we go. But, you know, I thought, hey, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Antonio Brown, who knew that they were going to be a dysfunctional mess this year? And I figured I would pick somebody besides the Patriots. Why do I even bother ever picking anybody besides the Patriots? Because I usually do pick them. Um, but yeah, I think I had the Steelers beating the Packers or something. I don't even know what I yeah, did. Yeah, I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find our actual. Maybe you shouldn't here. find. Maybe they've it. been scrubbed from the internet, except for Scott. I had the Patriots winning the Super Bowl. There you go. I did some research and realized that they'd been in like seven or eight straight AFC championship games. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty safe pick. Yeah, it is I a think safe. I pick. had them going against the Vikings, so that wasn't so hot. <laughs> we should uh, mention Doug Lemerese, our uh, our colleague here. He had the Rams beating the Patriots All in right. the Super Bowl, so he was almost right on there. That's you cool. Know, he had the participants, <laughs> and you know, a couple Jared Goff throws gone their way. It, you know, he could come out perfectly, but yeah, yeah. I, I also learned throughout these these playoffs. This is why I don't gamble. <laughs> I kind of made some picks. My first weekend's picks I put out like against the spread, and I went like one, two, and one or something. And then I don't think like any of my other picks were right. Yesterday I'm going in thinking Rams, Rams plus two and a half. I could see that. The Patriots are always close. I'm like, yeah, sure. If I were if I were a betting man, I would bet on the Rams plus two and a half. Would have lost that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I am uh, certainly don't take any gambling advice from me or uh, prediction advice from me. Uh, but if I actually were one of those gambling guys on Twitter, I would just delete the tweet if I got it wrong. <laughs> I'd never see the, the light of day. That's how gambling Twitter works. Um, what about our yeah. over-under predictions? Over-under predictions. Let's see. So we ha- I put together some over-unders. I said Baker Mayfield over-under four and a half starts. Scott, you took the under. Mary Kay and I both took the over, though. Yeah, I did. I thought they were going to do everything they could to keep him on the bench after going through seasons of Deshaun Kaiser and <laughs> watching Cody Kessler drown out there, I thought that, that you know, and, and really, you know, if Tyrod Taylor doesn't get hurt, who knows what's happening? You know? They wanted to do it that way. I know. And you believed them. I did. I did believe them. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. Here's, here's one we all got right. I said uh, AFC North wins over under one and a half. We all took the over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we all anticipated them doing as well as they did in the North, but we we got that one right. So mm-hmm. we all get to take that victory lap. Yep. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Sacks. Uh, Miles Garrett sacks. Uh, mm-hmm. Twelve and a half is what I put it at. Uh, I just kind of made some of these up. Mary Kay and Scott took the over. I took the under. I thought he would open up some sacks for like other people, for like yeah. Emmanuel Ogba to have a big year. Um, but I am definitely regretting this decision <laughs> I'm in su- hindsight. I'm surprised that I took the over, considering it's really hard to get over. You said, what I believe saying? he's capable of at least 13, providing he stays healthy. Oh, my what God. What do you have, 13 and a half? Yes. I think there I might even predicted that he would have set the, the team record. I know that... He was half away. He did. He was, yeah, he was half he away almost, from tying it. Yeah, so... Well, you went, you went back to the Bill Glass record. 
Oh, I know. That I, was the that's yeah. always the point of contention about which record actually yeah. counts. Bill yeah. Glass or is it Reggie Camp? Yeah. Um, Reggie let's Camp see. 14. We had some individual Denzel Ward interceptions over under three and a half. It looked really good for my over after the first game. It didn't happen. <laughs> Scott and Mary Kay were right on that with the under. Um, I was shocked too. I think I turned to you after we got two in the first game, and I said, well, I blew that over-under. Well, See, yeah, I think you had to go off what he did at Ohio State, too. He, yes. he wasn't an interception guy at Ohio State. so <clears throat> this, this, is why, this is why I don't do predictions. <laughs> I'm not good at predictions. It's hard. Whereas our colleague Doug has already predicted the Browns will go 12-4 and four next season. Um, I'm not going to make you guys go on record with your uh, – with your record predictions nope. for next year. Need to see the offseason <laughs> first. For the Browns. Need to see if Odell Beckham Jr. and Von Miller show up on the doorstep. So there you go. Uh, our Browns predictions. Uh, biggest pass needs. How soon the Browns can get to the Super Bowl. All here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Sponsored by Sibling Revelry Brewing. We are fully into the offseason now. Um, combine coming up at the end of February. Which is uh, always a good time in Indianapolis. And then it's on to the NFL draft. Guys, I, the NFL draft feels weird. Right now, mm-hmm. I feel like I haven't really, I haven't really I, I dove even tell in you yet. who the top players are in the draft this year. I haven't even spent any time I mean, researching I could, that yet. I could probably tell you some of the top names, but I haven't really quite dug in yet. And I've seen a couple names tied to the Browns at seventeen, but it's weird. It's February, and I've I've really barely even read a mock draft. I know. You know what? We need to get our draft game faces on. <laughs> it's time. By this time last year, we were all over it we knew well we started halfway through the season that's, that's true that is true but uh yeah it's definitely time for us to uh you know to get well versed in all things draft and be ready to to cover the uh the combine coming up and be all over that so we, we got to get hitting the books all the twitter people are going to be mad at us that we haven't all done two round mock drafts already and uh and that we don't know every single name and every single measurable of, of people but listen folks I need my Saturdays during the season if I still want to have a wife and kids. I need to not be sitting around watching college football on those days. This is my catch-up time. The readers get mad when we mention the draft during the season, especially this past season. You know, they're winning games down the stretch. Anytime we wrote or talked about the draft, we hear it. So... So we waited this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So maybe by next uh, by next podcast, we'll be able to dig into the draft a little bit. Uh, thanks to Sibling Revelry Brewing, as always, for sponsoring us. Thanks to all of you for listening. For Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Pasco, I'm Dan Lobby.